Welcome to The Screeners, Episode 6. This week, we dig into The Screeners' past as we discuss our favorite shows from childhood. Next, we go to the place beyond the pines in a mini-review of this new would-be masterpiece. It's the Super Bowl of film and broadcast when we talk about our favorite announcements from the National Association of Broadcasters Convention and why you should care. Amazon gets into the content creation business and lets the public vote on what's worth keeping. Is any of it? We play a little baseball with Tom Cruise in a dystopian future filled with mystery during our double feature main event reviews of 42 and Oblivion. Finally, we randomly delve into each other's Netflix queues to see what we can find. You'll be as surprised as we were. Let's go. From the big screen to the small screen and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hey guys, and welcome to the Screeners Podcast. This is Chris. And Chad. Melody. And Josh. We want to feature a new segment on the podcast called The Mailbag or something to that effect. And we want to hear back from you. So whether you've got a comment, uh, whether you've got an idea for a segment, whatever you'd like to talk about, we'd like to hear from you because we want to respond to what you're most interested in. If you want to record yourself and send it as an attachment on an MP3 or whatever, that would be great. We can actually then put it up on the podcast, hear you, and then we'll respond back. Or just write us an email at screenerscast at gmail.com. So we want to hear back from you guys. Just like Jonathan in Cleveland, Tennessee, he told us that we weren't exactly keeping to our 60-second self-imposed time limit on the jump cuts. So we've kind of tweaked things a little bit this week. Hopefully that uh, fits more into your liking there, Jonathan. So please get out there, let us know what you think, and we will respond. All right, let's head straight into the show. All right, this is Jump Cuts, our lightning round segment of the podcast. We're going to have a few questions for you guys today, and we're going to do our best to keep our answers to 60 seconds or less. So we'll jump right into the first question. All right, so my question for this week is pretty fun, I think. I wanted to ask you guys to talk a little bit about your favorite TV shows when you were a kid. So, Josh, what do you have for us? I'm just glad I get to go first on this one because I know why you picked this question. It's so mm-hmm. everyone can know how old Chad is. The rest of us are going to be hey. like, oh, say by the bell. You kids get off my lawn. <laughs> like, when I was a kid, we had three channels. Bonanza was on one and Ed Sullivan was on the other two. Bonanza. <laughs> Did you just say Ed Sullivan? <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, I am 73. You're correct. Yeah, yeah. Bonanza was awesome, whatever. <laughs> Anyways, I you've been saving that one all week, hadn't you? <laughs> I've been saving that one for approximately 45 minutes. Nice. <laughs> I watch Charles in Charge, Saved by the Bell, all the general 90s shows. We didn't have cable when I was a kid, so I was very depressed. I didn't get to watch Nickelodeon, but all the other stuff that you would expect me to watch growing up in the 90s, I watched. That's about it. I'm sure I've gone over time by now. <laughs> That little Chad joke. You don't sound very passionate wow, about yeah. your television loves as a child. Well, Josh. You seem you seem very melancholy I mean, about all those things. I like, had Meh. a very sad childhood. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. And with that, television goes. Uh, it's time to segue. Chris, what about you? Well, you know, of course, I've got all the uh, great animated shows like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That was my jam back in the day, no doubt. Uh, Animaniacs, Darkwing Duck. 
all those guys, all those shows I absolutely loved. The live action stuff that I watched that, of course, still affects me today would be Airwolf. Anybody else for Airwolf? I was in college when that came out, I think. <laughs> wow. Okay, yeah, you kidding. are old. I was with you with Animaniacs <laughs> and Darkwing and then, what? Airwolf, I love. <laughs> you never heard of Airwolf, Josh? I've heard of it. Oh, okay. I loved Airwolf. I know people watched it. So. Oh, man. It was one of my favorite shows. And then Star Trek The Next Generation. Those all kind of shaped my childhood. Chad, what about you? I can't believe you guys. That's fine. We can do this. So the one, <laughs> the one that I really remember when I was young, 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 watching was Saturday morning cartoons was Godzilla. Do you remember okay. the? Oh, I can't say. Do you remember? No, you, you guys were like we negative we were. ten. <laughs> yeah. We so were. it was like uh, it was Godzilla. It was very poorly hand drawn kind of thing, but that was super exciting. Um, another thing that I really liked was Alvin and the Chipmunks, nineteen eighty three. And there we go. Strike two. Okay, no, I watched. <laughs> I watched <laughs> but I loved Alvin I wa- and the Chipmunks. It had yeah, yeah it had good harmony. Yeah. And then the the last one was a Sunday, a Saturday and Sunday morning thing was. And this was not a kid's show, so I don't guess it counts, but it's what I watched when I was a kid, and that was NWA Wrestling. <laughs> so, oh, wow. shut your face. It was from Atlanta, and uh, they you know, had like uh, the Mulkey Brothers, and they lost every week. Anyway, that's it. I'm 106. That's all I got. Yeah. <laughs> Melody? All right. Well, mine I'm super excited to talk about because my favorite show as a kid, definitely, hands down, was a show called Briscoe County Jr., don't know if any of you guys watched it, but it was uh, starring Bruce Campbell, the guy from Boston Legal, uh, Christian Clemson, I think. He played the Jerry Espenson character on Boston Legal. But anyways, it, w- it was like a Western sci-fi show. It was actually created by Carlton Cuse of Lost fame. It's like the best show ever. I don't know that it was really a kid's show. I think it was just like a fun show. But I think anyway, you might be the only person that ever watched I'm that show. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Nobody has ever heard of that show. <laughs> Nobody. Oh, Congratulations. Should. I'm going to indoctrinate all oh. of you people into this show I, because I it's had, amazing. Thing. I had yeah. never heard of it either. Whatever. Wow. I never heard of it either, but it's actually fairly. It's kind of. Thank clever. you. It Thank is you, clever. Chris. Yeah, it's no, no. awesome. No, it's not. Anyways, besides Briscoe, which is awesome, Brisco. definitely Star Trek Next Generation was also on my list. Like, seriously, my brother and I recorded by VHS every episode of Star Trek Next Generation and, like, cataloged them because we were big fans. And then my honorable mentions for this question Growing Pains. Anyone? Anyone? Seriously, guys, yeah, you're killing well. me. Oh, man. Uh, That's really annoying. I only, no, I have to get one more in, please. Do we want please. to give an extended cut to hear please. the next show that nobody's ever heard of? I would yeah, vote actually, yes. Yeah, actually, I do. I, I would vote know. yes. Well, what is it? What Thank do you got? You. Square One. Yes, Square Thank One. You. Okay. Thank Square you. Thank you. It was a math show. It was yes, the best yeah show ever okay not how many show shows ever. are the best Brisco. shows ever Brisco i thought briscoe was the best show <laughs> square one was amazing i told thank it. you and i gotta night. say i watched a lot of star trek next generation as a kid yeah. too yeah yeah yeah. can't lie look at square one at the end of every episode they would have a little segment called math net <sighs> and that yep. literally was <sighs> the greatest it was actually a continuing, like, they, they would have it to be continued every single week, and I was just enthralled with it. So I'm anyway, totally going to awesome. find Square One for my kids that to watch. That sounds terrible. It's, it, no, it's Square awesome. One is awesome. It is awesome. And the end. Number two. My question, I'm very sad it's just a jump cut question because I loved it so much. Place Beyond the Pines, which is Derek C. Francis' second movie after 
Blue Valentine, which was a year or two ago, I believe. And I'm wondering if anyone saw it but me and what you thought. So, Chris. I did not see it, so I can't speak to its goodness or badness. Do you want to see it? Not particularly. It doesn't. (laughs) I mean, no. Why or why not? That other, what was the other movie he did? Blue Blue Valentine. Valentine. That didn't interest me either. And I don't know. But G.I. Joe does. I don't like to be depressed in film. No, I. And this is this speaks to what kind of movies that I like. I know y'all make fun of me, but I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna own it. And that is, I like to, you know, escapism. I like to be able to feel. I like to be thrilled and have fun. I don't want to go into a movie theater and feel depressed. And just from the trailer, it seemed like I was gonna be depressed. So I said, eh. Well, all right. <laughs> Melody. I'm so sorry. I tried to see it, but my time was gone, and so I did not see it. I'm sorry. But I'm kind of in the same boat as Chris. Try to avoid the more depressing films when at all possible. That's me. Chad, help me out. Yeah, I definitely saw this movie. Uh, I was excited to see it for sure. My thing with this film is there's so much of it that I love and so much of it that left me feeling a little bit wanting, I suppose. Without giving anything too specific away, I I think it's safe to say that the way this movie is constructed is really, it's almost like reading a novel as opposed to watching a film. It's, it's, it has three clear chapters all tied together. There are a lot of themes that it talks about. It could be the consequences of actions having a rippling effect throughout life. But my biggest problem with this movie is that the first chapter to me was perfect. I mean, the first 30, 40 minutes of this movie were so amazing, and then each subsequent chapter just gets a little bit less interesting and a little bit less, just a little bit less. And so I am interested to hear what you have to say, Josh, about it, because it does, it feels like it wants to be an epic. I did leave positive. What about you? Sounds like you loved it. Well, love is such a strong word for me either way, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but... I'd like to start out by saying I wouldn't be so mad at Ryan Gosling for being so good-looking if he weren't also such a great actor, and vice versa. He is Uh. terrific in this movie. (laughs) Anyways, he's fantastic, and I completely agree with you, what you said about the first chapter. It's it The pacing starts out a little slow, but that whole act itself is just fantastic. And I agree that it, it gets a little weaker as it goes along. But the thing maybe I liked most about the movie is it's not about it's not at all about what you think it's about from watching the trailer. Sure. And by the time I got to the end of the movie, I didn't think it was about what I thought it was about at the end of the movie. It's it's got a it's got a Shakespearean almost Greek tragedy scope to it. Definitely a tragedy. I agree with that. Just the story structure itself leads me to give it a recommendation yeah. if nothing else. Oh, I, definitely, but, I definitely think people should see it. It is wonderfully acted across the board. And this is another movie where it just goes to show, and I wasn't always on the bandwagon with Bradley Cooper, mm-hmm. um, but he's a fine actor. I mean, he that's another guy that I think kind of started just based on his looks and his whatever, his Hollywood type archetype. But he, he does a really good job. I think, he, I think he's a good actor. And if anybody is interested in cinematography, I think it's worth seeing this movie. It's beautiful. The first shot, the opening shot, is worth the price of admission, I think. That whole sequence that has to do with the motorcycle and setting mm-hmm. up the character. <laughs> yeah, well, you could have buzzed us like 16 minutes ago. <laughs> well, I didn't know. So I was you just randomly to, I pick you a time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to buzz you at 3.47. I was, I, I was going to do like a, what, what? Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're buzzed. I say go see it. Josh says to go see it, right? Yes, I agree. I completely agree. 
Number three. This time every single year, it is time for the National Association of Broadcasters Conference, and that is NAB held in Las Vegas, and they unveil all the brand new stuff for broadcasters, filmmakers, that includes cameras and production equipment, and of course that really interests us here on the podcast. So let's chat a little bit about some of the things that came out this year, and maybe some things that are coming out this upcoming year, and let's see here, Chad, what do you what did you think of NAB this year? Yeah, well I normally go to NAB, but I missed this year, but this this is one of the more exciting years for independent filmmakers and certainly for filmmakers on a budget. But the one thing I want to talk about very quickly is the movie. Um, Vincent LaFerre has done, he's a well-known cinematographer, released some test footage that he shot with what is essentially being touted as the, the replacement for the Steadicam. It's a three-axis digital stabilized camera gimbal. And the footage that I saw behind the scenes had people literally with this small, lightweight rig running up and down steps, uh, hanging out of helicopters, and there are two ways it can be controlled while somebody is holding it. You can have someone else actually control the pan and tilt of the camera, or you can just do run and gun style. But the footage was smooth as silk. It's it's being touted as a game changer. So of all the things that I saw at NAB, the movie is it. It's 15000 bucks, so it's not cheap. It's really revolutionary. We'll have a video of what it does in the show notes. You have to go click on it and just take a look. It is, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It really is. Yep, I disagree, really but we can really that some other time. Yeah. I mean, it was good, but there was some you, noticeable shake in it. Well, sure. But did you see them actually do the, the shot with the, um, with the taxi? The you taxi that was good. footage was the best part of the demo video that well, I yeah. saw. But I mean, obviously, this is all proof of concept stuff, and this is just them kind of, you know, fooling around with it and whatever. Did fooling around guy, with it in a helicopter. No, that guy walking up and down the steps was that was great. It was very cool. Anybody that's ever done handheld camera work without stabilization, that was mind blowing. That that's enough of that. We can talk about it later. All right. It's okay. Hey, Melody, what did you think? So I wanted to talk about the black two black magic cameras that were. Um, talked about at NAB and I'm sure if you are all in the production industry you've definitely already heard of these two cameras because they are crazy awesome. Uh, the first one is uh, the new Blackmagic 4K camera that they are going to be selling for $39.95 so under 4K for a 4K camera it's pretty crazy. Crazy. Pretty awesome and I'm sure it will be you know of similar quality to the the 2K Blackmagic camera that's out there right now and then obviously but it's 4K so that's awesome. And then the other one is the Pocket Cinema Camera Blackmagic, which is, um, it shoots 1080p for $1,000, and it's like literally the size of an iPhone, so that's pretty amazing as well. It is Josh. amazing. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Josh? For me, NAB, I have been to NAB a few times. I haven't been in about five years. Uh, for me, it's not as much fun to look at the stuff that they showed off if I wasn't there to play with it. And me being in post-production, I would be over at the Adobe booth, over at the Max and Cinema 4D booth, looking at the new software. But I have a non-NAB gearhead type thing to talk about. To go along with the uh, 4K camera Melody just mentioned, this Japanese, no, sorry, Chinese company, CK, or Sekai, just released a 50-inch 4K TV so we can watch all our beautiful 4K stuff on. That costs fifteen hundred dollars, and awesome. apparently, wow. awesome. Apparently, it does not look like it costs fifteen hundred dollars. 
That's so I'm. If you only care about if you this. care about watching nothing, you should buy it. Yeah. If you. <laughs> well, I'll talk about that in a second. Hang on. Hang that on. ESPN is producing these days. All right. Awesome. <laughs> well, here here's the deal. So we talked about cameras shooting 4K, a television that's 4K. 4K definitely was the buzzword at this year's NAB. Everybody's talking about that being the next generation. That's what we're looking forward to. And uh, so Sony came out with their 4K. Uh, what they're calling, let's see here, uh, player and distribution service. And when their televisions come out this summer, they'll be bundled with this player, and it'll have actually 10 of their feature films on it so that you can actually watch something. Uh, Because right now, like Josh and Chad were saying, there's not much content in 4K at this moment, just like there wasn't much content in HD when HD was released. So um, this is kind of the next step. So we've got a way to shoot, we've got a way to watch, and now we have a way to store and be able to distribute uh, this content. And it's pretty exciting. It's some, it's some really good stuff. And the price on this is amazing. Under 700 bucks, it's $699 for this 4K distribution player. It's, uh, it, it's pretty cool. Uh, I, I'm amazed at how, how, how cheap. Oh, I was going to ask him something. Well, ask him. Go ahead. We'll extend the cut. Go ahead, Josh. Ask him. So are there is there the next generation of Blu-ray to come with this? Because I no. thought they were getting to the edge of Blu-ray storage capacity with normal 1080p. 4K yeah, no. has got to be huge. 4K is Blu-ray. 4K is a Blu-ray killer. Uh, this is just their, you know, their Well, yeah, I just mean the, the media. What are they going to, is it? Are we expected to yeah. download 4K movies? Well, yeah, of course. They're going to say, you know, you need to buy it in 4K, just like you need to buy it in HD or buy no, it. No, no, no. I mean, how are we physically getting them? They're di- we, digital. We, they're digital. We don't have the bandwidth to download that. I'm sure you do. You have the, uh, Google Fiber. I don't live in Kansas. I know, but it's just going to take a long time. <laughs> yeah, there is no – Red also has a new um, – 4K player that's about twice the price. I think it's about fifteen hundred bucks. But there's no uh, there's no media, uh, there's no disc media that can be inserted. It's it's all all going to be digital. You're this going not, whether you like it or not. Yeah, let me I mean, let me be clear. This is not streaming 4K. This is well, there's no. a there's a hard drive in here and you're downloading it. So you know you turn it on and like you know twelve turn days it on later, and a week later you get yeah. to watch a movie. <laughs> so twelve days later you'll have a movie. Except there are no movies in four K that you can get right. I now. think they were actually talking about how that you can do like at the beginning here, they actually will be sending you external hard drives, uh, kind of like a Netflix subscription with their with their movies attached to it. At the very beginning, that's the that way to kind of get them. very inconvenient. It does. It does. At the well, you know, it's but that. if you bought a twenty five thousand dollar television, yep. I guess you want to watch something. Price or fifteen hundred early adopter. I think at this point, there's no question that the online model of creating new content from non-network companies has been proven a success. I was actually reading an article today that Netflix stock price has actually gone way up based on new subscribers that have joined that directly related to House of Cards. So Amazon is not wanting to get left out, but they're doing something that's very unique in as much as they have released 14 online-only shows that range from a, a reboot of Zombieland uh, to musical to stop motion and everything in between. And they're letting people vote on which ones are going to make the cut and actually be, get picked up into full series treatments. So I thought this was very interesting. It's certainly something that we've never experienced before. So I thought we would go through and, and see if any of you guys have seen any of these and what you think about this model, if you think it will work at all. Melody, what about you? Yeah, I checked it out. I do not currently have Amazon Instant. I 
never found the need to pay for it. But, you know, this could be something that if, if they put content on there that I really wanted to watch, obviously that would be a way to get me as a subscriber and other people. So I think it's a great idea. And I, I love the idea of, you know, letting people select the pilots. That's a really cool idea. I checked out a few of them. Can't Sam's like super excited about any of them. I don't think any of the ones that I saw would cause me to pay for a subscription. I, I checked out the stop motion one, Dark Minions, uh, was a little silly. There was like one funny part. I checked out Browsers, which was the musical. Yeah, the music was terrible. And I checked out Alpha House, which is like a bunch of Republican senators living on Capitol Hill. It's got John Goodman. So the production value of that one was a little bit higher. It seemed like it may have a little more promise, but I wasn't really interested in that either. So it seemed like they were all comedies or kids shows, which I don't really watch a lot of television comedies. So I wasn't super interested in any of them, but maybe you guys saw some that I didn't that were better. I don't know. Josh, what about you? Okay, you're right, Melody. There are six kid shows and eight comedies, and that's apparently all they know how to do. <laughs> and you look at, I, I watched three of them. I watched Alpha House, Onion News Empire, and Those Who Can't about high school teachers. And you read the cast list of some of these shows, and it looks promising. John Goodman, Jeffrey Tambor, Bill Murray's in Alpha House for a couple minutes. Yeah. A second. But He's in it for a second. It's, it's a minute or two. But the shows themselves come off like a YouTube contest where some oh. producer thought, what have I got to lose and bounce a soccer ball on your head for two minutes trying to win a car? <laughs> <laughs> the different, the different, okay. That's the most random thing I've ever heard. Bounce a soccer hey, ball off your head happened, trying to win a car. It happened in that Kia contest. Don't you tell oh, me it didn't happen. Well. The difference between Amazon's model and Netflix's original content is that Netflix bet big they dropped three to four million dollars an episode on house of cards three million dollars an episode for arrested development which is a comedy which is supposed to be cheaper to produce and they committed to full seasons amazon's give us a pilot and we'll see what happens smacks of asking like a web designer to make a site just on spec for free and if you like it you'll pay them and amazon is getting what it's paying for and the the production values just aren't great uh, the production values are okay. The writing. And anything there? Go ahead, Josh. Go. I liked it. You you uh, you had your rant going. I liked it. No, I, I was actually pretty flowing. much. I was pretty much about done. It it kind of feels like Comedy Central trying to make sitcoms, and Comedy Central is terrible at making sitcoms. That's that's about all I got. Okay, so that's two thumbs down, Josh and Melody. What about you, Chris? Are you going to turn the tide here? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> okay. uh, awesome. I was going to say, we love Netflix, Amazon. If, if Netflix is HBO, then Amazon is like NBC. It's like full network, Ooh. low brow, just Ouch. totally just uh, just really anti NBC. Well, I'm just saying very networky, very just formulaic. I, I watched, let's see here, the Onion News Network Empire, Alpha House and Zombieland. And all of them just felt like we're just going to try and hit as, as many things as we possibly can as fast as we can. And it just, it didn't work. None of them were interesting. It, it just seemed so silly. I did not care for the acting, the writing, none of it. It just, none of it hit for me at all. And I, I will not be back unless they, like you said, Josh, commit. It feels like they are so just, they want to see if maybe there's an interest out there and then maybe they'll right. think about you know committing. So I, I totally agree with that point. I think that's absolutely true. You know, for me, 
easily the one that they've hyped the most is the zombie land so I, I started with that then i watched a couple of the others and staying away from the kids shows the problem and i don't want to reiterate what you guys said because i agree with all of that essentially the the biggest issue i have here is that they all seem half-baked after i watched the first episode of house of cards and i know that's not really a fair comparison but i mean it, it is an apt comparison after the first like 10 minutes of house of cards i was like i'm in this is great stuff and after watching three or four of these shows, I have no desire to watch another second of any of them. They all feel cheap and they're not yeah. funny. And they're just, this yep. is, I mean, if this, if they're trying to get people to vote on the ones that they like, I would be surprised. I mean, it's like the best of the worst. This is not, yep. they're going to have to really up their game if they want to keep up. Lowest the new, common denominator. Yeah. Oh, the new yep. Hemlock Grove show on Netflix, which was released in its entirety is also, I've watched the first couple of episodes of those. It's also very high quality and very good. So their Netflix is crushing Amazon right now. There's no doubt. Yeah, Hemlock Grove is. Hey, <laughs> sorry, it was a minute, but go ahead. No, I was just gonna say Hemlock Grove is interesting because it, it it's a little bit silly, but it's kind of got like a um, True Blood feeling, uh, you know, like what HBO has. At least the production value is high, and yeah, they thought through it. Yeah, come on, Amazon, step up your game. Welcome to the main event. All right, guys, this week we have a double header. We're going to be talking about 42 and Oblivion, but we're going to talk about 42 first. It's the life story of Jackie Robinson, his history-making signing with the Brooklyn Dodgers under the guidance of a team executive, Branch Rickey. It stars Chadwick Boseman and Harrison Ford, and it was directed by Brian Helgeland. I don't know. I'm probably butchering that last name, but uh, uh, here's 42. The world's not so simple anymore. I guess it never was. We ignored it. Now we can't. You Jackie Robinson? You want a player who doesn't have the guts to fight back? No, I want a player who's got the guts not to fight back. You give me a uniform. You give me a number on my back. I'll give you the guts. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about 42 Guys. Melody, what did you think of the film? Uh, despite my being not a baseball fan, I was actually quite excited to see this movie because the trailer for it was fantastic. It was a really, really, really good trailer. Um, so I was excited to see it. I liked the, the movie. I didn't love it. Like I said, I'm not a baseball fan, so maybe that played a part. But I'm usually like a sucker for like the sports hero story type of thing, you know, strength of the human spirit or whatever. And I think this is kind of like a hard story to ruin because obviously it's a true story and it's meant to be honoring of of the story. I think they did a decent job telling it, but I felt like a lot of the dialogue was really rough for me. And my main problem with it was that some of the scenes that were supposed to be really emotional and inspiring to me, and maybe you all disagree with me, but to me, it just seemed to fall really flat and it seemed cheesy and it just seemed like they were trying too hard to make it more than it was. Not that it wasn't a great thing, but just in that specific scene, you know, it, it wasn't, it just didn't work for me very well. I think that the acting was pretty great. Chadwick Boseman, Bosman, Boseman, I don't know. I think he did a great job. Harrison Ford was good. I think he was good. I don't know. I kind of, <laughs> I kind that? of was 
had some pretty funny stuff that was stupid. <laughs> he did. He did. Like, I was going back and forth about his performance because it was a bit of a caricature, a bit overdone, but it was kind of fun, too. So I have a special place in my heart for him, so I liked him. It was fun. That part, that part was fun. Uh, for me, I'd say I would recommend it as a rental watch if you like the sports movie thing, but don't go in with your hopes set too high. That would be what I would say. Josh, what'd you think? Wow. Well, I haven't gotten a chance to see it, and I oh. wanted to see it right up until now. Sorry. <laughs> just broke my spirit. <laughs> I was hoping to be all inspired by uh, this. Your story spirit's been broken for a long time. Just to be <laughs> yeah, honest. I was going to say, Melody did not know you out at me. But are you going to see it or not? You, you, I will see it at some point. I don't know whether I'm going to end up seeing it on demand or whether I'll go out still in the theater, but I will see it. So. Don't cool. spoil history for me by telling me what happened. Okay, so here here are my thoughts on 42. I thought the it really looked good, but I thought I thought it looked a little too good. <laughs> like uh, I felt like there was a lot of moments where it should have been a little bit more dirty than it was, and I felt like it was just I don't know. It felt too sterile for the the topics that they were covering. It felt safe and sentimental. I guess is the the two words that came to mind while I was watching it because it, it came on this verge of wanting to be uh, making a statement and really saying something, but at the same time, I felt like you know, they were cutting corners a little bit, making things a little bit nicer and uh, accessible and all those things. I could really tell they were trying to manipulate my emotions through several of the scenes. I think specifically like Alan Tudyk, his character, he was way over the top and you knew that I as an audience member was being manipulated at that point. I enjoyed it. It was an enjoyable movie, but at the same time, I felt it was a little bit shallower than it should have been for the subject matter and the story and, and what it was really all about. Chad, yeah. what did you think? Yeah, I agree. This this is a difficult film for me, I think, because you know it's based in, in fact. It's such an impressive story, and the things that Jackie Robinson had to go through are unimaginable, frankly, uh, and changed played a large role in changing the course of our nation. <clears throat> so on the one hand, to see... To see that that part of it is certainly inspiring. To say you root for the guys, a gross understatement. It's just it's an inspirational story based on what it is. But this is the most candy-coated, saccharine-sweet, polished film yeah. about a subject matter that is so serious that um, it's kind of sour. The pill is kind of a, a sour one to swallow. I, I did, So I, on the one hand, I, I liked it. I left the film and I thought, you know, this is a movie that is of some import. You know, people should see this. They need to know this story. You know, and I'm from the, I'm from a part of the country that historically and even some today still has issues with race. And so, whereas, Chris, the one scene you were talking about with the Philadelphia manager, for me, I, I, that hit me a little bit differently. I felt like that was the one part of the movie where, even though they played it way over the top, yeah. was actually effective in, mm -hmm. in that it was serious and the things that, were, that he was saying were so unbelievably awful. But yeah. then he heard that everywhere that he went and he dealt with that everywhere that he went that I wished the film got down in the mud and, and taught us more about the man. I mean, this was really like, to me, when the movie was over, it felt like I just saw the intro to the Jackie Robinson story. Now I want to see what really happened. Who was he really? Because his character is is 
almost superhero-ish. You don't really learn much about him, and it's just it's just too saccharine sweet. It, it's it's very Hollywood polished. When I think it would have been more effective, not it could have still been fun. It but it just didn't need to be so sweet and so clean and sterile. Is exactly right. You use that word. It's it's very sterile. But yeah. at the same time, I would be it would be disingenuous for me to say that I didn't enjoy it because I left and I did I did like it. So. You know, take that for what it is. So wow. let's go ahead and just recap real quick. Um, do we, for those of us who saw it, would we recommend others to go see it? I say yes. I, I think it's I think it's enjoyable as long as you realize and know that this is going to be a little bit like we're talking about, a little bit sterile, not quite as gritty as it could be. But I think so. I think it's an enjoyable film. It's a rental for me. Yeah, I would say yes, and I would say see it in the theater because it is a it is pretty. It's in, yeah, I think it's important. There were there were a lot of different ethnicities in the theater when we saw it, and I saw a lot of young kids, both African American yes. and white, that were there watching that. And I th- they don't really have a a historical context for hardcore racism, so I I would say yes. I think it needs to be seen. Cool. Wait till it comes out on my 4K TV. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> It did look good. It would look good on a 4K television. You're listening to the Screeners Podcast. Let's talk a little bit more about it in spoilers because there's one or two things I'd like to chat about. So specifically, I wanted to talk about the performances. I agree with you, Chad. First of all, Alan Tudyk, his, I, that was great. I just felt like what they were doing there was literally throwing all of instances when he where he had that issue sure. into that one scene. I felt like they were just being very, now he's going to have this moment. You know what I mean? And then right. we're going to move on. And that's, that's what I, I agree. meant by I, that. I think, and, and I haven't done my research on this, so if I'm wrong, you know, somebody will correct me, I'm sure. But I think that that actually did happen, though. I'm sure uh, it because did. Because the cover photo, and I think the reason it was important in the film was that it, it gave an opportunity for his team to kind of rally around him because yeah. even they who didn't want to play with him realized that at some point this is ridiculous. Yeah. And so they kind of put a, a stop to it. That for, that was the most effective scene in the movie for me from an emotional standpoint, surely. Although I, I laughed I laughed a lot at some of yeah. Harrison Ford's idiocy, but you know, that's well, a different I, conversation. I loved it, too. I'm just saying... I, I think I feel like it is when you're watching the film, you get the impression that that was the only time he dealt with that. Kind oh, sure. Of racism. And I, I think it was one of the best parts of it. I love Alan Tiddick. I think he did a great job there. And I think that uh, so did uh, Chadwick Boseman. Bo- how, do, how do we pronounce I don't know. His name? I think it's Boseman. Anyway, the main character, Jackie Robinson. It was just really it was a very effective scene. And I love, you know, that that was a really great for him not not hitting back and all that kind of stuff. But sure. I did feel like getting back to Harrison Ford, he was literally the wise <laughs> wizard that has all the information and would yeah. be like, you know what I mean? They're, they're going to try. And I, I don't want you to hit back. I want you to have the strength not to hit back. You know, he was yeah. all those one liners. You know what I mean? Yeah, but some of them were really funny. <laughs> I agree. No, it, was great. it was great. But I just kept thinking to myself, does this dude really exist? Yeah, they 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 kind of made that character. And that's one of the things, too, that I'm taught that I was talking about where I wish they got a little more in depth with the characters and with Robinson in particular. And I'll say this, too. This movie is one of the worst offenders of the swelling score syndrome that I have oh, ever really? seen. That's I mean, I about, they yeah. would telegraph like five to eight seconds in advance yep. whether you're supposed to feel happy or sad or whatever and at some point it's like okay come on guys give me that's a, what I was, give me I, a break that's what i was talking about when i said they're trying to manipulate your emotions i mean you yeah. could just tell it's very like okay guys here we go this is yeah. going to be the uh, you know what i mean and now you're sad yeah and, oh, <laughs> this is how you should be feeling right now it's kind of like the clap track or the laugh track on you know sitcoms or whatever so yeah 
were there any scenes in particular? I thought the I thought the baseball scenes were shot uh, mm-hmm. in a in an interesting way. They were very pretty, but they were also very long. I don't know if you guys noticed that I too. I thought but they were long. They really yeah. had like extended scenes of actual mm-hmm. baseball stuff happening, trying to let the characters develop and have an arc. Uh, a character arc within the arc of the baseball game. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah, well, I I have to be honest with you. I didn't, I mean, the movie is over two hours long and it didn't feel that way to me. It, it, I I really enjoyed it. I, I liked his, the way that he played baseball. He was so smart. He knew that he couldn't, you know, be physical and get angry and be that kind of a spectacle, but he sure could, you know, outsmart the other people. And that was so fun to watch like that, yeah. him, him the running around the bases. Yeah. That was such a fun was scene. Great. I could have watched that you know, even longer. I really thought that was a good moment. And anyway, yeah, I, I, I really agree that. with that. I, I thought like all the tension when he would steal the bases and all of that, like I was totally in on that part. And I, I thought that was good. Um, I think the parts that got long, honestly, were just when they like, did like the emotional stuff i thought that that's the parts that felt long to me because it it was just like too much too like manipulative or whatever sure well i just don't want us to overall it sounds like we might be a little more negative than we actually are yeah because i think we all three i think we all three liked it uh Mm -hmm. and certainly feel like it's it's a movie that you know that should be seen i'm all for making films like this that have a you know a deeper message even uh, even a historical message but could have been a little could have been a little stronger not the worst thing you'll see for sure uh, but i still think it's worth a look no yep. doubt, no doubt. Sure. Like I said, they're trying to manipulate you. It's a, it's a that kind of a ride, but I still enjoyed the ride. Welcome to the main event. Summer is officially here, and we're going to be talking a little bit about Tom Cruise in Oblivion. Sixty years ago, Earth was attacked. We won the war, but they destroyed half the planet. Everyone's been evacuated. Nothing human remains. We're here for drone repair with a mop-up crew. I've been watching you, Jack. You're curious. What are you looking for in those books? Do they bring back old memories? What have you done? I can't protect you. They won't stop till they find me. If you're looking for the truth, that's where you'll find it. That mission is ordering you to stand down. I'm not going to do that. So this is director Joseph Kaczynski's second outing, I guess. I don't know if it's his second outing, but it's definitely his second major studio picture. I think two years ago, three years ago, he did Tron Legacy. And Oblivion is his second turn at bat. (laughs) Get it? I'm tying in 42 and... Okay. Awesome. So, uh, Chad, what did you think of Oblivion? Uh, well, Oblivion, I'm going to be honest. I saw this movie on about three hours sleep within a 48 hour, uh, window. So, uh, take that for what it is, but I did see it at a, uh, 4k digital projection, good crowd, all that stuff. You know, I, I, I enjoyed as much as I could. I think I was interested in where the story was going. I was, I was intrigued by the mystery that was, that was set up until I found out what it was about. And then uh, I felt like it kind of fell flat, but you know, the positives about this film is I thought it was, I thought it was visually very well shot. I thought it was, there were some effects that worked better than others, but overall I thought the atmosphere was good. 
um, where this director did Tron Legacy, and I absolutely hated Tron Legacy. But um, I thought that this one had a little bit more of a pulse, a little bit more of a heart. But overall, I just not didn't love it. I didn't hate it. Didn't love it. Overall, I yeah, I don't know that I can recommend this. I I think it's beautiful. So if you're into that kind of stuff, you should see it on the big screen. But um, it's probably a rental rental for me. Melody. This a movie like this was made for me to love. I mean, we've got Tom Cruise and Morgan Freeman and a full sci-fi film with amazing visual effects. But I'm sorry to say I didn't love it. I liked it. It was fun. It was I thought I thought the visual effects were really great overall and it sounded amazing. Uh, we saw it in an IMAX theater and I mean the sound was just like crazy awesome but you know the plot just was not as compelling as I was hoping for and it was probably kind of what I was expecting for but obviously I would I was hoping for more it was okay it didn't but it didn't completely fall apart and I thought it was enjoyable and I thought the acting was good I mean I would say if you, if you like sci-fi at all you should definitely see it it's not as great as the greats but it'll make you reminisce over them so that's fun that was oblivion for me Josh, can we find a name for Tom Cruise other than Jack? Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> no. If you're a movie so, hero, you have to be called Jack. <laughs> well, so for Oblivion, I was I was ready to hate it at the beginning. Then I was ready to like it. And then by the end, I was, eh. As a movie, it gets maybe a B. As science fiction, it gets a C or worse. And my problem is that I judge all science fiction against the best Star Trek Next Generation episodes, which might not be the best science fiction ever written, but they're the best I've seen on a screen. And science fiction, like art, is about, like any art, is about what it means to be human. Sci-fi's advantage is you get to take a look at all that apart from everyday life. You divorce yourself from reality and things like that. And this movie did that, but it never lived up to its potential as introspection as anything about what it means to be human it was just another earth has been destroyed and now humans are fighting for survival blah blah and then there's a twist and without that higher purpose of sci-fi you've just got white metal and plastic and a cool house i really want to live in and that's <laughs> no about doubt. it that's yeah. the coolest swimming pool ever it is yeah, yes yes at the coolest location ever i mean yes good grief yep I, although they didn't have an elevator, I guess it's just that ship. <laughs> what if you need gas? Stop thinking. But, Stop thinking. No, thank so, don't, don't go down the logic trail. We, 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 I we, will we, not we. do that. <laughs> although once we get into spoilers, I have one question for everyone that I want to see if anyone can come up with an answer to. I can't but wait. I can't overall, wait. melodrama at the beginning, melodrama at the end, some shooting in the middle, and that's oblivion. Eh. It, it wasn't terrible. It's not I terrible. just wanted more out of it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty. That's a pretty stellar review coming from you, Josh. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't terrible. It's about as positive <laughs> as you get. Terrible. That's going on the on the box. It wasn't if, terrible, Josh. If Josh says it wasn't terrible. Everyone needs to go see it right now. No, let me help you. Don't you? Everyone doesn't need to go see it. Right now. <laughs> go ahead, okay. Chris. What do you think? So you know, obviously, this. I'm a big sci-fi fan. I love escapism. I love action adventure. This has all those things. The soundtrack I thought was absolutely spectacular. I went home and listened to the whole thing and it's still on my playlist right now. I, I loved it. M83. They did the, the music on the Sky Atlas trailer. And so as soon as I heard that kind of electronica with, 
strings and all that kind of stuff. I was like, oh, I'm in. And so amazing soundtrack. The movie itself is really a technical marvel. I mean, it looks great. It sounds awesome. If you see it in an IMAX theater, I mean, you'll do yourself definitely a big favorite. It heightens things. I'm sure a hundred percent over if you were to see it in a regular theater, it's, it, mm-hmm. it sounds, feels, looks epic. The characters are very charismatic. You've got Morgan Freeman, who's always good, but in Grossly this role, he was, underused. He was, but yeah. at the same time, whenever he was on stage, I mean, he had those, I mean, not on stage, on, on screen, he had it those. It felt like a stage. It's not like, yeah. I didn't know what to think of him, what he was doing or what he was thinking. And then also had the guy, I can't remember the actor's name, but he's in Game of Thrones. He plays the, um, Jamie Lannister. Yeah, Jamie Lam- Lannister. It was fun to see him in something else. The plot definitely, though, I have to admit, was filled with a bunch of just sci-fi tropes. And the way the pieces came together were kind of not very surprising and not very thrilling, unfortunately. All the pieces looked awesome. I mean, separately, everything looks cool, but put together is just kind of eh. So um, I would be interested to talk with you guys in spoilers about some of the details. Before we do that, though, let's let's talk about whether or not you should go see it or you'd recommend someone to go see it. So uh, let's go in order, just like we did before, Chad. I think if you are a real sci-fi fan then you should see it just because you don't get a lot of of actual sci-fi entries uh you get maybe a few a year if you're lucky this is actual sci-fi it's just not very good no, sci-fi eh, and also it's just and also not good. Too, it is this it's is just this not true. good this is something we didn't mention this is an original sci-fi this is an original mm-hmm. prop right this isn't based on a book or a television show or a movie so that's actually unique in and of itself too right is that right. why the writing was bad <laughs> yeah, so I would say if you love sci-fi, yes. Other than that, total rental or on demand or whatever. Melody? I think if you love sci-fi or if you just love the action-adventure thing or if you're a big Tom Cruise fan, I mean, it's a fun movie, I think. I don't think, I mean, definitely don't go in expecting greatness, but if you want to go see a fun action movie, I mean, it's fun. <laughs> Minus the action-adventure, you're exactly right. <laughs> whatever. Josh? Yeah, if if you like the way the trailer looked and you were excited to see it from the trailer, go see it. Otherwise, maybe rent it if you're interested. I I mean, I I don't have a lot of great things to say about it, but if you're the kind of person who sees a lot of movies and this looked good to you, sure, go see it. If you've agreed with me on any of the any of my kind of feelings about movies, I have to say I had a smile on my face for like 90% of this film. I know I say that all the the pieces didn't come together as well as I wanted them to, but I really enjoyed all all the different aspects of the film. So, if you like sci-fi, if you like action, if you like Tom Cruise, you're gonna really like this movie. Uh, Oblivion was was a thumbs up for me. Wah wah wah! Spoilers. Right. Spoilers. So, Josh, let's start off with your question. I'm really excited to hear what you were gonna ask. Okay, well, actually, I have two questions, and the one is kind of a joke, and the second one is okay. less of a joke. <laughs> Let's but start with that. The first question less is, of a joke. isn't this pretty much how Halo ended, the ending of this movie? Or Halo was supposed to have ended huh. back before they made another one? I don't remember. I don't think so. You I don't, don't remember how Halo ended. I thought that no. was your favorite game experience. How many people play Halo, Halo for the story? Three. <laughs> Halo 3 and the story was not my favorite experience. It was us driving on the... Uh, no, no, no. Board. It was you driving off the side killing us. It was us. And over it and was over. Us. us. And back to oblivion. Okay, yeah. never mind. So that wasn't as <laughs> that really as entertaining as I thought it was. Shut up. <laughs> okay. So the real question is, oh, in, in the end, we find out that this is half 
the Matrix up in the sky with the clones, why did the aliens need to send down human clones to fix their drones? Why didn't they send more drones? Are humans easier to make? Why send? <laughs> why, they're trying to kill all the humans. Why send humans? Well, I think what they were thinking was that they had already created all of the, the, the army of Tom Cruise's out, and why not use them, I guess? It would be the, uh, the answer that you're looking for there. They, they didn't create them, presumably, until they had met humans. Yeah, right, well, think- they, they, they created him. You know, he went out. They showed that scene where he went out, you know, with his crew and the, you know, he and the, his companion. What was her actual designation or whatever? But those are the only two that came in. They cloned all of them and they went back to Earth and defeated them. Whole army of Tom Cruises, right? Why is it was the army of Tom Cruises that defeated <laughs> the rest of the humans on Earth? Yes. Don't that's you remember, not remember that part? Morgan, yeah, Freeman, Morgan Freeman said the first you know, wave was the soldiers or whatever he called them. So I saw thousands of. Now, why didn't they just send oh, robots? Why didn't they send yes, the drones instead of the, the soldiers? I don't have an answer. I think for that. there was a. I think there was also a talk of an element of like maybe this is something that we could trust. You know what I mean? But then obviously, why are there a thousand of these one type of person and then madness happened the answer josh is because it makes a cool twist in a movie okay it does it makes a very cool twist well a kind of cool a cool twist, twist. Yeah. <laughs> come on it it makes a twist. Twist. Were you guys anyway. actually <laughs> were you expecting to see another time I, I had no idea that was not revealed anywhere in the trailers no, or any of that i didn't expect it i, no I wasn't expecting i didn't expect it, it in but... the movie but as soon as as soon as he's the other ship lands, it's yeah. like that's Tom Cruise. It's just yeah, I so. I mean, you know, I know, on. but why? But then, then you begin to ask the question, like, well, why is sure. there another Tom Cruise? Why are they hiding this? What? You know, sure. that, I thought that was a good, pretty. Cool I agree, element to and that's what in. I was saying. I I was interested in finding out where it was going. Hopefully, mm-hmm. anticipating that it might yeah. be something unique or something. But we've seen this um, a thousand times, every different way, which which is why it's one of those that's just kind of like man, because. Some of those tropes are enjoyable, sure. but the, the sad fact is when you are as inundated as we are with film and sci-fi, that uh, it takes a lot to do this kind of a movie and make you really be surprised. Right. So, But it also – it still resonates somewhat because you like those things, or I do anyway. And yeah. so I still left it going, well, that was okay. I mean, it was eh, it was fine. It was fine. Yeah. I mean, again, the, the – the, the whole ending of the film really didn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, they they would have scanned his ship and known that Morgan Freeman was in right. That, yeah, that that, that was one thing that aggravated yeah. me. I was like, so we can follow those drones can follow yeah. DNA trails all over the it, surface of the Earth, but you don't yeah. know that's Morgan Freeman. It did, okay, it did, none of that made any sense. I mean, I, I the, the end of the movie just is kind of like about you know wh- while he was traveling there and they're doing the flashback and all, I was like, so how's this movie going to end? Like, yeah. I don't understand what. Well, in honor of the end of the movie, let me read this quote from the Chicago Sun-Times critic. If nothing else, Oblivion will go down in film history as the movie where Tom Cruise pilots a whale sperm-shaped craft into a giant space uterus. The end. (laughs) Credits. Beautiful. Credits. Look at the end of the movie. There's there's that Hollywood movie ending where it was like, oh, Tom Cruise actually is still alive. Um, He was number 52. Yeah, but there's 51 and there's 39 and there's I kind one. of liked that ending. I'm sorry. No, I how did too. How did she give birth kind of... by herself in the wilderness? And oh, how that did her did pregnancy survive her stomach wound? Shut up. <laughs> I'm just asking. You know what? 
Miracles, people. So, anyways, Miracles. these are all the yeah. problems. But I still, I again, I still really just like. I mean, I know you guys didn't. And I know Chad, you said specifically you didn't care for Tron Legacy, but I felt like this kind of was the same, literally the same kind of movie. It looks great, has some great concepts, but when you put all the pieces together, yeah. But I think this is a step above Tron Legacy for sure. I I agree, way way above it. The story in Tron Legacy was was so uninteresting and and cold and disconnected. This this at least had Tom Cruise, who you know a lot of people hate on Tom Cruise, but the the fact of the matter is the guy can just act his face off he's he's great he's a movie star and he he lights the screen up so it's i still enjoyed him Uh, and uh, honestly all the acting i I thought all the acting was was okay it was was good it's just you know it's just it needed to be in a better script and a better story that was going going somewhere let's talk a little bit just real quick before we go about the human characters that he finds led by human by uh, morgan freeman who wears sunglasses in dark caves with no lights that was to me was like the biggest underutilized most I mean, what was the point? We met them yeah. and then spent no time with them. Just they had the a plan. complete waste of time. Just we got served. to see them all get blown up by yeah. the drones. And then you didn't the only survivors. They're all we care about. Yeah, no, it was it was rough. It was rough. No. I, felt I agree. Like, that was very underused. no. The reason the reason why we met them is literally because they had the plan to you know they had the nuke uh, and they had sure. the, the drone. That was the only reason why they were there. I mean, it, you're right. I think it would have been stronger if they had used them more for sure though. Yeah, we needed to, we needed to care about humanity and you I know. agree. You're well, right. And that's right. why that like the, my problem, problem with the action in this movie is that it's all just fighting the drones over and over again. It's just another battle with a drone, another battle with a drone. And there's no context as to like what weapons can like destroy the jo- drone in one shot versus what weapons you right. can shoot the drone forever and ever and nothing happens. So it was really hard for me to get invested into the action a little bit. So that was I agree. Although I do think the drones, uh, specifically when they were on the ground level by the humans, I thought they were effective. I thought the sound design especially made them very, not scary, but certainly threatening. Mm -hmm. I told Melody, I said that this movie would have become the greatest movie of all time if the woman who was the mission commander or whatever, if she would have at the very end of the film began to talk with the, uh, the portal, uh, accents, you know, the, uh, whatever, uh, what, what, what's that? I mean, the computer GLaDOS. voice. GLaDOS. Yeah. That would have been, I, I, I thought they were going there. It sounded like the, the, they were beginning to like, you know, digitize her voice a little bit more. And I was like, Oh my goodness, we're, she's going to actually turn into GLaDOS, but no, you're no, right, Chris, that would have made this the it, greatest. It would have made it the best time. movie of all time. No, <laughs> seriously. It would have been the best thing I'd ever seen. Hollywood why have you not hired Chris right I, mean, I don't understand the man is dropping gold on a Perfect. consistent Perfect. basis just call me call me I will make the trailers Chris can write the movies Free. it'll be awesome unbelievable <laughs> alright so uh, anything else we want to talk about this I think we've I think we've kind of kind of we said it all beating it to death pretty yeah. much yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 hopefully the summer will get better folks Oh, this isn't a bad start. This isn't a bad start. Dude. This wasn't bad. Fast and Furious, Pain and Gain, can't wait. (laughs) It's going to be awesome. (laughs) The Cutting Room Floor. Yeah, so what we're going to do, guys, very quick, the last thing we're going to do today is we thought it might be fun for you to learn a little bit more about our taste in film, and maybe we could recommend some things to you. And so what we're going to do is we're going to throw out just – each of us is going to throw out just a random number between, let's say, 1 and 30. 
and we're going to tell you what that is. We haven't talked about this beforehand, what that is on our Netflix queue, and then we'll talk about why it's there and how it got there and why we're looking forward to it. So let's start here with Josh. Josh, I'm going to say for all of us, start with number seven. Number seven. (laughs) I don't even know what this movie is. (laughs) <laughs> what? Is a, uh, okay. Why is it in your queue? Oh no! Okay, it's it's not a movie at all. It's a, it's a TV series. Ah. Number seven on my queue, which I share with my wife, so that might be the cause of some of these Come in on. the future. Come on! But Whatever. this one was me. Actually, it was a friend of mine who recommended it to me. It, it's a show called Dead Like Me. Oh yeah. And it's a, I believe it's a Showtime show, and I watched a couple episodes of it and thought it was boring and never took it off my queue. <laughs> See, this would be a good so way to purge you your list. Purge your list. Purge it. Delete. Awesome. <laughs> what about you? I can't, that's uh, going to screw up the numbers, though. Yeah, I'm that's true. Get. What yeah. about you, Chris? What's your number seven? Number seven for me is Hugo. Oh, have you not seen Hugo? I have not seen Hugo. Watch it. Wow. It's a good you know what movie. I have seen of, of the Hugo was, <clears throat> I think it was the final actual scene. There's, there's a Steadicam shot going through. I don't even know what it was. They were just showing off how awesome that Steadicam shot was. And I keep meaning to see it. So, yeah, Hugo. That's I, a good flick. You definitely, you'll, you'll enjoy that. Yep. Uh, Melody, what about you? What's your number seven? Well, Chad, you're probably going to hate me that this is on my queue and I haven't already seen it because I know you're a big fan, but my number seven is The West Wing. What? Uh, TV series. What? No. what are you talking about? Wow. You are fired. Love- you are sorry. Yeah. That's like I know. Oh, I'm I know, and I love all of his other disappointed stuff. In I'm a way. huge fan. I just I've seen like the first season, and should have lied. Should have just made something up. I'm sorry. Please <laughs> forgive me. I'll watch. It's the it greatest one show day. in the history of television. I Melody. know. All right. <laughs> Ooh, I'm gonna and need a you? moment. <clears throat> All right, well, All right, Chad, my, num- my number seven is a 1984 film called Dreamscape. Mm. <laughs> All right, then. All right, moving you on. You young whippersnappers. <laughs> now, this is a movie uh, with Dennis Quaid uh, and Max von Sydow. It's, uh, it's like an, an actioneer with, um, it's a cheesy 80s movie that I loved when actioneer? I was a kid. Actioneer? Yeah. Actioneer? Okay. The word, good it Chris. Is, uh, this is a uh, word, right. but anyway, it's uh, it's cheesy. It's eighties, but I loved it when I was a kid and saw that it popped up on Netflix, and so I put it on there probably about a year ago, and I haven't got around to watching it yet. So, Josh, let's move on to you and uh, pick our next number. Do do I get to pick a number that's solely self-serving for my? No, own? you can, you don't cheat. <clears throat> close your eyes and say a number. All right, you? I'm gonna close my eyes, and oh, this is gonna be bad for me, isn't it? All right, I'm gonna go with number thirteen just for the heck of it. Oh, Ooh. lucky number oh, two, gosh. unlucky number. Yep. Oh, All right, yep. Chad, you go first. Okay, it's a television series, and it's called Oh My Lord. Say yes to the dress. <laughs> okay, folks. Now, let me, what, what we have here, hey, hey, what we have here is it called, for all you young people out there that have not yet experienced the joys of marriage, when you share things, one of those might be your Netflix queue. And this is what happens when you give your wife the password to Netflix. Seasons of Say Yes to the Dress may pop up in there. So it is what it is. I am guilty as charged. So, uh, Chris, how about you? What's your number 13? Mine is a series called Awake. Uh, I guess it was on last uh, last year. It's about a guy who, when he goes to sleep, he wakes up in an alternate reality where either his son is alive or he goes to sleep and he wakes up and his wife is alive. 
So either his son or his wife has died in a car accident. I heard about that. I actually heard good um, things about that show. Yeah, and I've kept meaning to vi- revisit. It. I think I, I mean, obviously it was canceled. I, I believe I don't. Yeah. I haven't heard that it's coming back, but it just really looked interesting to me, and I thought, you know what. I want to check it out. So anyway, it's in there just so I can maybe one day visit it and check it out. Cool. What about you, Melody? My number 13, I love. I've actually seen it before a couple times, but I keep it on my queue because every once in a while, you just got to watch it again. And that is Jim Gaffigan, Mr. Universe. It's a stand-up routine. <laughs> yes. Comedian. This guy, just he brings joy to my heart. He's hilarious. He's fairly clean. And this the Mr. Universe one is... Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, go see it right now. If, Jim if, Gaffigan, Mr. If, Universe. If you're a parent, yes. it is. It's, it's, it's so it's, hysterical. It's awesome. I haven't it's seen it. I'll have to check that out. Him on oh my gosh. No, go see it right now. Yeah, yeah you need to. All right, I'm, at, I'm adding it right now. Here we go. It's so good. It's so good. Follow anyway. him on Twitter if you want parent tweets too. So, Josh, what's your number 13? My number 13, well, it turns out I'm not totally ashamed of it, but it's nothing groundbreaking. It is the SNL special, The Best of Chris Farley, which oh, yeah. you just can't fault me for that. No. no, sir, you cannot. All right, cool. Let's do a couple more here. So, Chris, pick a number. I'm going to go with number 20. Oh, okay. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe oh, I picked this. Oh, come on, man. Are you man. freaking kidding me? Oh. <laughs> All right. All right. Who's up? Uh, let's, do, uh, let's do Josh. Josh, what's your number 20? Well, yeah, I don't know. The Diary of Anne Frank. Guess how that got there? <laughs> it wasn't me. Oh my God. Not that. Not that. What I'm, do you have against Anne Frank? It's not a wonderful Frank. production. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, it's yeah. got four and a four point three stars. So Melody, Melody, what's yours? Mine is Half Nelson. Uh, oh yeah. Oh. That movie when it came out a few years ago, and that's I a very good heard movie. a lot of good things. Yeah. That's a good movie for sure. Chad. Unlike my number 20, which is a television series called Wedded to Perfection, (laughs) the description of which a husband and wife team of premier party planners arranges the most luxurious and creative gatherings of the season in this reality series. I look forward to never watching this. Chris. What is your number twenty? Your cue ahead of time. Oh my god! So, <laughs> this is this is unplanned. There you go, Chris. What about you? So for me, it was a a film. I guess um, that I've heard pretty bad things about, but I at least want to watch the first fifteen minutes of and just see how terrible it is. And that is uh, Casa de Mi Padre. Uh, that is the Will Smith. Um, Will Smith, I think. Yeah. Will a, Smith. Is, um, is that not? I'm a, sorry, Will Ferrell. <laughs> sorry. There we it's go. late. Y'all, it's almost 1230 in the evening. We're recording this. My mind evening. is gone a long time ago. In the morning. Casa de... In the morning. <laughs> what? Please continue. It's okay. Don't worry, Chris. What did I say? 1230 in the... What did I say? <laughs> Nothing. Back to the Will, Will Smith movie. <laughs> Will Ferrell, go. Um, anyway, Will Ferrell. Casa de mi Padre. I have no idea if it's going to be good or I'm not. still convinced, regardless of the critics, that this movie is going to be brilliant. I haven't seen it oh, yet. Right. Yeah. I'm All sure. right. One more round. Melody, your turn to pick the number. All right. Let's do number four. Uh, Josh, what do you got? Yes. House of Cards. Just finished the season yeah. earlier this Thanks. evening. It uh, is wonderful. Yes, it is. Good awesome. stuff. Good stuff. Chris, what do you got? Uh, mine is a... A long memed movie called Downfall. This is let's see here. Let me let me read the actual 
description. One winter night in 1942, a group of young women are escorted to Hitler's headquarters. 22-year-old, whoever her name is, I can't, gets the job despite her lack of experience in typing. This is, if you guys ever, if you go online and you've seen the meme where Hitler is looking over a map and he asks people to right. leave. And that that is that is from this film, and uh, I've been meaning to watch it because because I love that time period and uh, would like to like to see it. So downfall. There you go. Right. Well, my number four is the only film on all of Netflix that does that has instead of five stars, it has five bananas. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, that is Arrested Development. And yes. so <clears throat> I was a little late to the party uh, on Arrested Development. As a matter of fact, I still have about probably six or seven more to, to catch up to where it concluded previously. But the new series starts up, I believe, next month. Or is May 26th. May 26th, right? So this is very exciting. The show's hilarious. There's not really anything I can add to that to that conversation except to say that it is as advertised. So Arrested Development, number four. Looking forward to it. All right. My number four is Get the Gringo. It's the new oh, Mel yeah. Gibson movie. I just yeah, watched it's, that. It's supposed to be good. I haven't seen it, but uh, I don't even know what it's about, but... Is it good? Is it good, John? It's pretty good. It's it's fun. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Thanks for tuning in to the Screeners Podcast. You know, we love to hear from our listeners, so if you'd like to talk more about something you heard on the show, or if there's something you didn't hear on the show but wish you had, drop us a line. No matter how you're used to talking to people, there's a good chance you can talk to us that way, too. On Facebook, search for Screeners Podcast, tweet us at ScreenersCast, or send us an email to ScreenersCast at gmail.com. You can also leave a comment at ScreenersPodcast.com, where you can read up on the things we mentioned in the episode and send us ideas for future topics. And as always, if you like what you hear, help us spread the word by leaving some love in an iTunes review. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to ScreenersPodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.